What a beautiful afternoon this is, or, or morning still, but uh, wonderful to be with you. I'm from Montana. My uh, fellow priests that I gather with my Yezu Caritas group, a lot of them are on the personnel board back in Montana, and, and one day I was complaining because I couldn't find anybody to substitute for me when I wanted to take a vacation or anything or for emergencies, and the next time we met, they said, guess what? you're going to retire and, and fill in for everybody. Well, that was a big surprise, but uh, it's turned out to be a great joy to be able to come to wonderful communities like this and to, to see the deep faith of your community. This is a remarkable parish, by the way. I, um, I've been traveling now for over two years, different parishes every week, just about. I'm, I'm assigned to a different parish or I called in to fill in. And I've really grown um, amazed at our Catholic faith and uh, all of the wonderful uh, faith-filled people that gather on Sundays and, and, uh, and, and maintain these wonderful parish places where we can gather together. Today we're, we're hearing this story of a gathering of people in our gospel, um, Jesus is going into this town, and, and here's all these people gathered around, huge crowds. Well, if you're going around healing people, if you're raising people from the dead, if uh, you've got any relatives that are sick, you're packing them off to Jesus because the word is out. He's doing some pretty amazing stuff, and you want to be part of it, and you want members of your family to be part of it. So everybody's there, and the crowd must have been overwhelming. In fact, the crowds are so overwhelming when we think about Jesus in the Gospels that I had a professor, Father Conrad, some of you may have known him. He was one of the Benedictine monks up at Mount Angel. He's now the abbot down in Cuernavaca, Mexico. We were his last class to have for Synoptic Gospels, which the Gospel of Mark was. Well. When we got to the Gospel of Mark, normally he had parsed the Gospel in pieces and then we had to do little sections. But on our first class day on the Gospel of Mark, he said, I want all of you to go home. I think we had two days before our class, uh, next class. And he said, I want all of you to sit down, quiet yourself, don't have any distractions around you. I want you to sit down and read the Gospel of Mark from cover to cover. Now, it's the shortest of the Gospels, but it's still quite a read. Well, the, uh, um, so he told us to read the Gospel from cover to cover. So we've got this uh, Gospel, and I'm sitting there, and I start to read it. I've got everything very quiet around me, no distractions, and all of a sudden, when I'm reading, I start to cry. Well, it didn't stop. And in fact, towards the end of the gospel, I was crying so hard I couldn't even read. I couldn't even see the words on the page hardly. I thought, where is this coming from? I mean, all I'm doing is reading the gospel, but I was paying attention to the crowds. That's what I was doing, like he had directed me to. I've always remembered that. That was one of the most powerful moments of my time in the seminary. And uh, it really, 
really helped me with my vocation as a priest after having done that. And I think it's helped a lot of people along the way. I've given this homily many times on Zacchaeus and, and on this particular, uh, and especially the year of Mark. When we're dealing with the year of Mark, I would always tell my parishioners, the first day of Advent, sit down and read the Gospel of Mark from cover to cover. Pay attention to the crowds, because that's who we're dealing with. And that's who Zacchaeus was dealing with. And he had all these people in the front of him, he couldn't see over him, a huge distraction. He couldn't see Jesus. He didn't think he was God, but he wanted to know who this person was that was attracting all of this attention. And so what did he do? He climbed a sycamore tree. Well, I kind of liken that sycamore tree to kind of like the church. Well, we get together and we kind of climb up this sycamore tree. Jesus is the tree of life, you know. <laughs> And we climb up it, and we get a better look at what's going on. That's what Zacchaeus did. He could see Jesus, and that's what we need to be able to do as well. We have to be able to see clearly. And that's what the church does. The church kind of helps us to get above the fray and all the distractions of our world and our life. And that's why we come to Mass on Sunday, to kind of get that good perspective, to take a look and say, okay, I can see what Jesus is doing. He's, um, he's loving us. He's loving me. And then be able to respond to that. And what does Jesus say? Well, come on down, Zacchaeus. I got a job for you. And you know what Jesus does for each and every one of us? He's telling us, come on down. I got a job for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to live with you. I'm going to be part of your life. I'm going to get involved in what you're doing, and you're going to get involved in what I'm doing. That's what it's all about. Jesus wants to be part of our life. Well, there's some naysayers in the crowd. There's always naysayers in our world. Yeah, we run into them every day. <laughs> but. How well do we know our faith and how good a relationship do we have with Jesus? Yeah, is he part of us? Is he who we are? That's who we're called to be. We come up here, we receive this bread from heaven, and we're called to go out and live the presence of Christ in the world. You know, this last uh, couple of days, uh, in fact, about a week ago, I picked up a book it was by Sarah Gallick, and it's the Women Saints of the Church. And uh, 383 of them, I think, is how many there are. And I've been reading all their stories, and one thing is common. When Zacchaeus came and just gave Jesus, he said, half of everything I've got is yours, and uh, um, just my whole life. Uh, Zacchaeus' response is very similar to all of those women saints in, those, in that book that I've been reading. They all respond in incredible ways and probably don't even realize what they're getting into half the time. In fact, who does? When we get involved with Jesus, we don't know what's coming. None of us do. 
Yeah, we just know that God loves us and that he's going to ask us to work for him. And from the looks of this parish and the, and the tremendous number of ministries that are in this parish, he's getting a lot of yeses. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing when you say yes to Jesus. We don't know how we can be called to do work in the, in the kingdom of God, but we do need to be able to change hearts and minds in our world. We have to go out there and help people to live their life better, you know, to, to be filled with empathy, a sense of, um, of, the, of the, our own self-worth, because that's who we are. Um, I, always, I always get a kick out of a bumper that a sticker I used to have on my car. Uh, it was on the back window. I got it from Bishop Robert Barron. He sent it to me in the mail, along with a bunch of other stuff one time. And the bumper sticker said, believe it or not, life is not all about you. <laughs> well, people would honk. A trucker almost drove me off the road one day. He was honking and honking, and I kept thinking, was there something wrong with my car? And I pulled over and got out and looked, and nothing wrong with the car. And then I looked up and saw the I thought, oh, my goodness, he read it. Yeah, life isn't about us. It really isn't. It's about Jesus Christ and how we live his presence in the world. And that's, uh, that's always a challenge. Yeah, yeah it's, easy to, it's easy to go off on our own and do our own thing and, and uh, forget all about God and forget all about this mission that we're on, this challenge. And it's not just for us, it's for every human being. Keep that in mind whenever you're in a conversation with somebody. This person and I have been brought together for some reason, and it's obviously that God wants us to know each other, and God wants us to work together somehow. We are challenged every day of our life to be God's love in the world, and the way God will call us into that is for each one of us to recognize we have to be able to hear the voice of God speaking to us. Um, I'm going to kind of extend my homily a little bit today, but um, when I get down here, I tend to talk a little bit. <laughs> but I, I told this story the other day about being out on the golf course, and I, was, uh, I had a 30-foot putt in front of me, and I never make 30-foot putts, and I'm getting ready to putt it in a voice. I'm just walking up to the ball, and the voice comes into my head, and it goes, you're going to make this one. You know, I mean, just casually, and I go, a voice. <laughs> I don't hear voices. <laughs> Where does that come from? Well, I walk up, and I putt it, and it goes in, and I go, huh, where did that come from? And I said to the guy that I was golfing with, a person many of you might know, Richard Kreisberg, um, I said to him, you know, I think an angel just talked to me, and he told me I was going to make it. And he said, well, send send that angel over to me. I need some help over here. <laughs> yeah. We never know how God's going to talk to us. We never know how God is going to communicate with us. We have to be discerning enough to recognize that God wants to love our world and love every person in it. And we have to look at our life and say, how can I help that happen? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.